0: Father, Father, this evening we thank you for an opportunity to hear your word. We thank you as we delve into this series of how to read and study the Bible. You speak to us, and more importantly, we will practice every instruction we will receive from this session. In Jesus' name, Amen. Okay. So, like like we said today, that the title or the theme of our teaching will be how to read and study the Bible. Amen. I don't know how many weeks it will take me to finish. Probably two weeks. Maybe more. But I just want to be led. Amen. Okay, in light of our yearly theme, it will be prudent on our part to talk about this all-important subject when it comes to reading and studying the Bible. Sometimes when we talk about this, we have a feeling that, oh, it's only pastors or um, the fivefold ministry gifts that is supposed to learn that because we are the ones that preach. But as a matter of fact, every Christian has been called to read and study the Bible. So when, when this subject comes about, it's not because you are going to be a preacher. It's because you have to be a serious Christian. And that's how you will be a serious Christian. Now, the Bible explicitly lets us know that in the last days. How have enough to know that we are in the last days? We've been in the last days since Acts chapter 2. Why do I say that? Because of Joel chapter 2. Joel chapter 2 says that in the last days, verse 28 to be precise, it says, In the last days, I'll pour my spirit upon all flesh. And it says that your sons and daughters shall prophesy young men shall see visions, old men shall dream dreams. Now, when was the fulfillment of this prophecy? Acts chapter 2. When it was fulfilled, Peter called it the last day. So, we've been in the last day since Acts chapter 2 till now. We are still in the last days. Amen. And mind you, God, he doesn't work by Gregorian calendar. January to December. God works by his own time. Amen. So we have been in the last days ever since. And one of the things that marks um, the era of the last days is that deceptions are abound. And let me tell you something. Deception, it doesn't only happen through external circumstances. And when I'm talking about external, false teachers with false teachings, that's what I call external factors. Deception can also be self perpetrated you can actually be the cause of your own deception amen so when we are talking about deception there's not only false teachers and maybe false teachers or what you hear that can make you uh be susceptible to false to 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 falsehood or deception or even the devil coming to deceive you you yourself can be a perpetrator of your deception So what I'm meaning is that deception can be self-inflicted. And why do I say that? I say that because one of the ways deception happens is how you read the Bible. How you read the Bible. There are some people who have entered into deception not because of what they may have heard from the pulpit or what they may have watched on YouTube or watched on Christian television, but it's how they have read the Bible, which has led to their interpretation, which has formed their theology, and how they practice the scripture. So it's very important for us to really talk tonight about how to read the Bible and study the Bible. Now, I'm gonna show you a typical example. Go with me to Luke chapter 10, verse 25 to 37. Luke, chapter 10, verse 25 to 37. One story, very popular story, I believe um, most of us will know this story. And behold, a certain lawyer. Now, when you hear this word lawyer, don't think about today's profession. A lawyer in those days just meant you dealt with the law it meant you were an expert in the bible okay so it's not uh, being a lawyer or an attorney general like what we know of today that's not so he he, he didn't go to the courts a lawyer meant that he had specifically studied the books of the bible especially when it comes to the first five books that's a lawyer you know most of the people who are called lawyers they don't believe in the prophets that's from Isaiah to Malachi. Their, their main expertise was just to study the law, Genesis to Deuteronomy. And most times for you to even be called a lawyer, you have to be able to memorize and commit the scriptures to memory. So this guy probably could rattle Genesis to Deuteronomy. That's what makes him a lawyer. You know, they don't believe in Malachi. Uh, I'm sorry, Isaiah to Malachi. So most people who call themselves lawyers always believe that Moses' writings were authentic and they were true. And they had a whole doctrine that I don't want to get into tonight. But that's who a lawyer was. Amen. So a certain lawyer stood up and tested him and him as Christ, saying, Teacher, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? Amen. Verse 26 is key for our teaching tonight. Look at verse 26 very carefully. Jesus asked him just two questions. And Jesus knew what he was doing. I mean, how are you going to ask a lawyer this question? He knows. He said, what is written in the law? It's the first question Jesus asked him. And he knows it. This is a lawyer. Memorize scriptures. He knows. What is written in the law? First question. And then number two, what is your reading of it? You get it? So, Jesus didn't ask, How does he read? So, that's another question he could have asked. What is written in the law? How does he read? When I ask you, how does it read? I'm telling you to quote me exactly what is written. Jesus said, no, what is your reading? How do you read it? You see, that's a huge question. So So the lawyer, of course he knows the scripture. He was quoting Deuteronomy. Because this scripture is in Deuteronomy. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, with all your mind, and your neighbor as yourself. So the lawyer knew his scripture. He quoted Deuteronomy. That's correct. I, I think Deuteronomy chapter six, it should be there. Then Jesus said to him, you have answered rightly. Do this and you will live. So Jesus said, correct. You've answered it. That's all. Go and do it then. You've answered it rightly. Do this and you will live. Right here, you even see a problem here. When you read the scriptures, the scriptures is not for mental stimulation or mental exercise. You read the scripture to live it. And Jesus was a prophet, you know. So I said, okay, you've answered it rightly. I am not too impressed with your memory of scripture. I think I am more interested in you living out what you have memorized. You know, we call it by the heart. That means you are able to memorize it. You are able to quote it verbatim. I'm not interested in that. I am interested in you living it out. So you've answered me rightly. Now, the Bible says know something. This man wanting to justify himself. That's a huge problem here. He said to Jesus, Who is my neighbor? Then Jesus answered and said, A certain man went down from Jerusalem to Jericho, fell among thieves, stripped him of his clothing, wounded him. You know, I, I really like Jesus. You can't, you can't box him. You can't. This would have tried many ways to box Jesus, to trap him. It never worked. Hmm wounded him, departed, leaving him half dead. Now by chance, a certain priest came down that road, and when he saw him, he passed by the other side. Likewise, the Levites, when he arrived at the place, came and looked and passed by the other side. But a certain Samaritan, as he journeyed, came where he was, and when he saw him, he had compassion. So he went to him and bandaged his wounds, pouring on oil and wine. And he set him on his own animal, brought him to an inn and took care of him. On the next day, when he departed, he took out two denarii, gave them to the innkeeper and said to him, Take care of him and whatever more you spend, when I come again, I will repay you. So which of these three do you think was neighbor to him who fell among the thieves? You see, even the lawyer, he couldn't even say they were Samaritan. He couldn't. Legend has it during those days when a Jew says Samaritan, he has to spit because they saw them as unclean. He said, he who showed mercy to him. He couldn't even say the white Samaritan. His bias was just showed. Then Jesus said to him, okay, even if you don't mention the Samaritan, I still don't care. Go and do likewise. So, you know the funny thing? This man read the scriptures. This man memorized scriptures, yet he had hidden his heart towards his neighbor. He was deceived, even though he read the scriptures. So, sometimes reading the scriptures, hear hear me well. You see, when, when I say something, hear what i'm saying and hear what i am also not saying that's how you understand the statements so hear what i'm going to say very carefully and when you hear what i'm saying hear what i am also not saying now reading the bible doesn't cure you of deception because this man was deceived now i am also not saying if you, if, you, if you don't read the Bible, you will never fall into deception. That's not what I'm also not saying. What I'm saying is that you have to read the Bible skillfully not to fall into deception. You understand? So the Bible cures us of deception, but just mere reading doesn't mean we are free of deception. Are you understanding me? Because this was a man... Whose job was to read the Bible, to study the Bible, to memorize the he was a lawyer. That's his job. His job was to be involved with the law. The first five books. He's committed it to memory. But yet he was deceived. Because of how he read it. So there is a right and a wrong way of reading scriptures. And that's what we saw here. So, Jesus was not just concerned about the man's memory of scriptures. He was also looking about how do you read the scripture. One. And number two, are you practicing the scripture? This is the most important thing. These are the two important things that Jesus has. Because right there, you now see the psychology of this man. You read the scriptures, yet you hate you read the scriptures, but still, you don't even know who your neighbor is. Like I quoted to you sometime, everything in the Bible is truly stated. I'm just quoting one half of the quote. Everything in the Bible is truly stated. Everything. So Jesus is not concerned about the authenticity of what is written. He is concerned about how the guy reads it and number two, whether he applies it. So, in this passage, (laughs) we should all consider that how you read the scripture will affect your understanding of it and to an extent, your application. So, there are some people who behave the way they behave because of how they understand the scripture and number two, in a sense is affected their application so if your understanding of the scripture is wrong your application will be wrong amen so with this there are two kinds of readers i want us to know two kinds of readers the first reader is this lawyer they normally rely on the understanding of the mind, and cherry pick verses. So don't read the Bible like that. If you read the Bible and if you are just relying on the understanding of your mind and if you cherry pick verses, you will never understand the Bible well. You will just be like this lawyer. Yeah, that is why I cherry picked verses cherry pick verses but if if he was to follow the whole counsel of the law the bible even talks about loving strangers and showing love but he just cherry picks what he wants and even his understanding of that verse too was also wrong and sometimes it, it abounds you'll see people say like oh uh give your tithe but i'm not under the law Okay, that's correct. Yeah, they will be quoting. No weapon formed against me shall prosper. Is that also not in the law? It's not in the Old Testament. So you see, the, the cherubic verses. I shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water. My leaves shall not wither. Whatsoever I do shall prosper. Is that not in the Old Testament? So, you see... So there are some people, they just cherry-pick verses. And when you do that, you, you just harm yourself. And sometimes, preachers too, we are very fond of that. That's why there are a lot of erroneous teachings today. This lawyer represents the first kind of reader. So when we are reading the scripture, don't read your meaning into the scripture. When you are reading the Bible, Don't have a preconceived idea or what you expect the Bible to say. Don't do that. When you do that, you are very close to being deceived. When you are reading the Bible, have an open mind and allow God to speak to you and allow scripture to interpret scripture. So that brings me to the second type of reader. Who is the second type of reader? They are those who let scripture interpret the scripture. They rely on the spirit's guidance, teaching, and instruction. They are also faithful to the integrity of scriptures by looking at the context, and if need be, the pretext and the protext. So, what what context? For example, Someone should just give me a scripture. Any scripture. Just mention any scripture. Any scripture I can think of. Any scripture. Just mention any scripture. I, I want to prove a point on this. Any scripture that comes to memory. Well, I know the talks
1: that I think about you. No good, not
0: of evil. for I know the thoughts that I think of you they are of good but not of evil Jeremiah chapter 29 verse 11 so that's the verse Jeremiah 29 verse 11 for I know the thoughts that I think of you not of evil but not of good so what is context context means I look at the whole Jeremiah chapter 29 that's the context Right? So now if I want to understand For I know the thoughts that I think of you They are not of evil But of good um, um, uh, Of a future and of a hope Other version says to bring you to an expected end You have to look at The whole chapter, That's, uh, chapter right. That's context Right So what is pretext Chapters 1 to 28 That is Context a pretext. Do you all understand? I heard I froze, so let me repeat myself again. Pastor Robert just quoted a scripture. For I know the thoughts that I think towards you, not evil, but of good. Jeremiah chapter twenty nine verse eleven. So now what is context? So now we are looking at three things context, pretext, Protext. so what's a context a context is the whole chapter of jeremiah 29 so that if you want to understand verse 11 very well you have to read chapter 29 you read the whole chapter that's context do you understand now what is pretext pretext is chapters 1 to 28 that's pretext so Any scripture before chapter 29 is called pretext. What? Pretext. Pretext is every chapter after chapter 29. Do we all understand? So now if you really want to understand the Bible carefully, sometimes you have to consider these things. Sometimes you have to look at the context. So now you don't just pick just one verse and you run with it. You have to look at the context. Look at it in its body. The whole of chapter 29 is called context. Now all the chapters before chapter 29 is called pretext. And all the chapters after chapter 29 is called protext. Do y'all understand? So now if you want to understand the scriptures very well, sometimes you have to be able to consider that. It's called being faithful to the integrity of scriptures. Because if you don't do that, your understanding could be very warped. And if your understanding is warped, it affects how you apply the scripture. Or even, let me even use the word misapply. Because sometimes you think you are applying the scriptures, but in effect, you are really misapplying the scriptures. Now, I want us to look at an example of a second Bible reader. So now we've looked at the first Bible reader, the lawyer. His reading of the scripture was wrong. His understanding of it was wrong. His application of it was wrong. That's why he had hate towards his neighbor to the point that he couldn't even mention the word Samaritan. Yet he could memorize the scriptures. Amen. So let's look at the second um, Bible uh, reader. We looked at this scripture on Sunday. So look at it with me again. Luke, chapter 24, verse 27. Luke, chapter 24, verse 27. And beginning at Moses and all the prophets, he expounded to them in all the scriptures the things concerning himself. So my key word here is expound. What's the meaning of the word expound? The root word of expound here in the Greek means to stick close. Stick close. So Jesus, he he stuck close to the scriptures by letting the scriptures explain themselves. That's another way you also read the scripture. So there is one. That just reads his meaning into the scripture like that lawyer. He read his meaning into the scripture. So to that lawyer, who is my neighbor? Jew. He read his meaning. Instead of behaving like Jesus, expand the scriptures. Stick close to the scriptures. Let the scriptures explain scriptures. Ready? It's different kinds of reads here. So, Jesus didn't rely on fanciful words or colorful allegories to explain the Scriptures. He let the Scriptures explain the Scriptures. If you want to understand the Scriptures very well, the Scripture can explain itself without any external source. Every puzzle that you need in the scripture can be solved by looking into the scripture. That's why it requires study. So that's what Jesus did. So for Jesus to explain that, I am the one Moses talked about. I am the one Isaiah talked about. I am the one Malachi talked about. He had to use scriptures to explain scriptures. He stuck close to the scripture. And that's what we should do. We should be the second type of Bible reader. Amen. And we are like that, rarely will we fall into error. Amen. With that said, why do we read the Bible? The end goal of why we read the Bible is to be transformed into the image of His Son, Jesus. That's why I read the Bible. That, that's the end goal. You don't read the Bible for mental stimulation or exercise. You see, you can't quote scriptures. The fact that you can't quote scriptures, it doesn't mean you are, you are doing well. I, I mean, everybody should learn how to quote the scripture. Seriously, because When you are able to quote the Scriptures and you are able to use the Scriptures appropriately, it becomes the sword of the Spirit. That's how you engage the sword of the Spirit in the Word of God. You've committed the Scripture to memory and then you speak it out during a time of trouble or problem. It becomes the sword of the Spirit. So. It's important but but that is not the main goal of reading the bible it's not for mental stimulation or exercise the bible is also not there to support your biases or prove a point if you do that you miss the bigger picture you miss the whole picture of bible reading there are some people when they read the bible they read the bible just to sort of prove themselves right and when you do that, you will cheat yourself. You will not get the whole full, bigger picture of Bible reading. Bible reading is because we are to be transformed into the image of his son Jesus. Amen. Now let's look at the scripture James chapter one verse twenty one to twenty five James chapter 1, verse 21 to 25. Therefore, lay aside all filthiness and overflow of wickedness and receive with meekness the implanted word, which is able to save your soul. You see? So, whenever you approach this Bible, read it with meekness. Humility. So, when you are reading it, don't come with a preconceived idea, a preconceived notion. I'm reading this to prove a point or I'm reading this to support my bias. That's not receiving the word with meekness. Because truly, when you receive the word with meekness, the word will challenge you. Honestly, there are many times when I've read the word, it has challenged my thoughts. And I thank the Lord that when I approached it, I didn't approach it with, this is my fixed thought and I'm going to read the word to support that fixed thought. The word ends up not becoming a blessing. Read it with a meek heart. Then you are able to receive the benefits of the word. When you read 2 Timothy chapter 3, we will come to that scripture. In one of the places it says, the word of God corrects. Now, if you come with a preconceived notion, you will miss the correction part of the word. The word will not be able to correct you. It's a lot. Amen. So now look at it. But be doers of the word, not hearers only, deceiving yourself. So the reason why you read the word is to be a doer. The reason why you read the word is to be a doer. You read on forgiveness so that you will practice forgiveness. You don't read on forgiveness because you have to preach on forgiveness or share it with your neighbor. You read on forgiveness because you will have to practice forgiveness first. It has to be seen in your life first, then you can share it with other people. You read on tithing, not because you are going to share it with your neighbor. You read on Titan so that you will practice it first, it is seen in your life first, then you can share it with other people. You read on marriage because you have to see it first in your life before you share it with other people. You understand? So when we read the word of God, the end goal is to be transformed into the image of the son Jesus how are we going to be transformed into the image of a son Jesus is by doing the word. That's the exercise. The more you do the word, the more you are building your image, building your identity, building your faith muscle, building yourself into the image of the son Jesus. So we should not reduce the Bible to mental stimulation. We are just quoting it. And it's good to quote scriptures. I'm all for quoting scriptures. Quoted, quoted. That is how you engage the sword of the spirit in spiritual warfare. You are able to quote the scripture to meet that need. Amen. For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like a man observing his natural face in a mirror, for he observes himself, goes away, and immediately forgets what kind of man he was. That would be very strange, right? You look at yourself in the mirror. You move away from the mirror. Then you forget what kind of person you are. That's what the Bible says. Whenever we hear the word and we don't do the word, it's like someone who looks at himself in the mirror and forgets what kind of person he is. You look in the mirror, you saw that you've dressed yellow tie, white shirt, and then you leave, you you just move away from the mirror. You've forgotten what what kind of person you look like or how composed you were when you approached the mirror. It says, but he who looks into the perfect law of liberty continues in it and is not a forgetful hearer, but a doer of the word. This one, this one, Not everybody, this one, the one who does the word, he will be blessed in what he does. So there is a blessing that follows becoming an active hearer of the word. There are two kinds of hearers. There are passive hearers. A passive hearer is one that hears the word of God, gives mental assent to the word, and it ends there. You are a passive hearer. An active hearer is one that hears the word and he has an intent of obeying and practically applying the word to his life to see fruits and see results in his life. Amen. So we have to be active hearers of the word and not passive hearers. And and for that to happen, it all goes back to how you read the Bible. So now I'm talking about how you read the Bible. I'm not addressing literacy or illiteracy point of view. (laughs) Talking about how you read the Bible. We are talking about the mindset, the attitude by which you approach the word. How do you read it? Jesus looked at this lawyer. You know, those days lawyers were very intimidating. They knew the scriptures. They could quote it left and right. But when Jesus saw somebody who could perhaps display such mental prowess of the scripture, he wasn't intimidated. And then plus, to even ask you a question, you even feel intimidated. But Jesus was not intimidated by the lawyer. He just said, okay, what is written in it? You know, it's almost like even offensive to even ask a question to a lawyer like that. It's very offensive because he knows. Then Jesus asks, what is your reading? You see, he could have asked it differently. How does he read? Or what is the reading? You see, I could say, how does he read? Or what is the reading of it? That's one thing. But Jesus would say, what is your reading? Your, How do you read it? And when Jesus explained the story, his biases showed. Even though you have memorized it, you read it wrongly. And because of how you read it, it has affected how you understand the scripture and perhaps how you will apply or misapply the scripture. And that's why I'm saying that if you don't read the word of God well, how you read the word can let you be in deception. A typical example is KKK. Have you ever known KKK, right? The Kukulos clan. Have you ever read their vision, their creed? Everything is biblically supported. Do you know how they use scriptures for everything? Yeah. They use scriptures for everything. They claim they are professing Christians. So, why they hate? It's because of how they read the scripture. Every scripture that they have quoted is truly stated in the Bible, but it is not a statement of truth. Now, that is the next statement of the quotes. It is not a statement of truth. It is truly stated, but it is not a statement of truth. Everything that they do has a scripture. They don't support interracial marriage. They have a scripture. They don't believe they should love visitors. They have a scripture. They don't believe that black people are part of the human race. They have a scripture. Everything they have a scripture. They are not a bunch of heathens. They believe in the Bible. But their reading of it has affected their understanding of it and it has affected either their misapplication or application of the scripture. So it comes back to reading. How you read the Bible is very important. so those people they are deceived. so you see why I'm saying what I'm saying. That's why I'm saying that if you want to understand the statements, listen to what I'm saying and listen to what I am not saying. If you don't read the Bible, well, you can be deceived. I am also not saying reading the Bible doesn't cure you of deception. Are you understanding me? So try and understand these two words carefully. Because KKK is a typical example. They are deceived, but they read the Bible. But when you read the Bible carefully, the Bible can deliver you out of deception. Do you understand? All right. So right from James chapter 1, verse 21 to 25, we have realized that Read the Bible with the intent to apply it first before sharing. Every believer is supposed to share the gospel. we have all been called to share the gospel. But have the intent that I will read the Bible to apply it first before I share it. Let me share a scripture with you in 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 6 to 7. 2 Timothy chapter 2 verse 6 to 7. The hardworking farmer must first, to be, must first to be a partaker of the crop. He must eat of the crops first. Consider what I say, and may the Lord give you understanding of all things. Now, if you look at this scripture very carefully, Apostle Paul was talking to Timothy, and he told Timothy that the Christian minister can be likened to three things. He first talked about a soldier, do not be entangled with the affairs of this life. Uh, if you are enlisted, you are to please the master only. Then Apostle Paul went on to talk about an athlete. So when you become an athlete, that is, he's using euphemism just to talk about a minister. You, you compete by the rules. If you don't compete by the rules, you become disqualified. Then he talks about a farmer. So, a Christian minister is also likened to a farmer. But why is he a farmer? He's a farmer because he has to first partake of the crops. So, when you read the Bible, you have to first and foremost eat the food or the blessings that come from the word first before you share it with other people. That's what that really means. When you are a farmer, be first a partaker of the crop before you sell it to other people. How are you going to sell me your pineapple from a pineapple farm when you yourself have not partaken of the pineapple first? How are you going to share the word of God to me, talking to me about the efficacy of prayer when you yourself don't pray? You have to be a partaker of the crop first before you share it to other people. How can you tell me the benefits of loving your spouse in a marriage when you yourself, you haven't partaken of that crop of loving your spouse? How can you talk to me about the liberation, the freedom that comes from forgiving when you yourself, you have not partaken the crop of forgiving first? You haven't even experienced the liberating effect of forgiveness. How can you talk to me about the liberating effect of forgiveness when you yourself, you hold a grudge? So when we read the Bible, we have to be the first partakers of the blessing, the crop, the fruits, everything we experience first before we share it with other people. Because when we do that, our witness becomes more powerful and effective. But when you are just going to talk from just a mere mental assent, just a mere fact of knowledge and mental stimulation, the word does not become a blessing. And that's why there are different kinds of preachers. You can see some preachers that can preach and it's powerful because it's coming out of conviction. Do you know why it's coming out of conviction? You can see that this preacher lives the word. And there are other preachers too, they can preach it. It may sound interesting, but it's not powerful. Because everything he's saying is just mental stimulation, it's mental exercise, it's something that he's just given mental assent to, but he doesn't practice and apply the word himself. So it doesn't have convicting power but it has some interest. Yeah, I'm interested, I'm stimulated, I'm awed by your oratorial skills, but I am not convicted. The people who are convicted can only be because the preacher who is preaching it has first lived it. And when he lives it, he's talking from a point of conviction that makes the word powerful. So ladies and gentlemen, may we not be salesmen. Me for real, for real, Christians. Have you ever gone to some of these um, car dealers? They will advertise the car until you ask them, what car do you drive? I always ask that question. Get an Audi, it has this, it has that. Can explain everything about an Audi. But he doesn't drive an (laughs) Audi. Why are you advertising a product to me that you yourself don't believe in it? They can explain everything to you about a Honda until you ask them, what car do you drive? I drive a Mac. You drive a Mac, but you are telling me to buy a Honda, you know, because you work at the Honda showroom. You know, it, it can be quite funny. So may we not be salesmen, may we be for real, for real Christians. We should learn how to talk from a point of conviction than just giving mental assent. My former president, that's Ghana. I remember one time there was a viral clip. I I really laughed my head off. I said, you people, you have to respect preachers. He was reading his speech, you know, and then he just lost one of his pages. He couldn't read the speech again. He couldn't read it. I think like it's page one, page two, page three. When he was reading page one, they were clapping for him. He was reading page two. When he reads, my speech is missing. I can't find my papers, you know. So everything he's saying, that means he's not saying it from the heart. So ladies and gentlemen, Christianity can become convicting. It can become real to us. It can become real to people we are ministering to. It all starts with how we read it. How we read it will affect our understanding. It will affect how we apply, or in a sense, misapply the word. Now let me end with this scripture and then we'll continue next week i want us to focus on who the author of the scripture is because when you focus on who the author of the scripture is it will help in how you read the scripture amen second timothy chapter 3 verse 16 to 17 All scripture is given by inspiration of God. Some versions use the word breath. Some some versions use the word spirit. All that is correct. All scripture is given by the pneuma, the the, the pneuma, the pneumaticus, the spirit of God, the breath of God. So Moses wrote the first five books, Genesis to Deuteronomy. But it was the Holy Spirit speaking through Moses. Luke wrote the book of Luke and the book of Acts, but it was the Holy Spirit speaking through Luke. Paul wrote most of the New Testament, but it was the Holy Spirit speaking through Paul. So, the real author of the scripture is the Holy Spirit, not the authors. Because all the authors, they were able to write because... They were inspired by the Holy Spirit. As the Bible says in 2 Peter chapter 1, no scripture is of private interpretation, but these holy men, they were moved as the Holy Spirit spoke through them. Prophecy is not by the will of man. So every scripture that we see here, the author behind this, the express author, is the holy spirit this is key to understanding the scripture when you are reading the bible you will need the holy spirit's help in understanding the scriptures and i'll end here for tonight and we'll continue next week who has any questions You can all unmute yourselves, if you have any question, you can ask. If not, what have you learned tonight?
1: Read it just because you want to tell others, but then we have to read it. We have to allow the Bible to change our lives first.
0: Amen. Allow the Bible to change your life first. Before you preach on forgiveness, make sure you practice forgiveness.
2: I, uh, I I enjoyed it. I think um, I just uh, enjoyed the uh, explanation of um, the basically using the integrity of the word um, so that we can understand what Scripture's saying. Um, and then the other part that I um, thought was really good that you went through was, um, because, you know, our own minds, we always, we have a mindset, and it's uh, very challenging to put it aside when we study scripture, but when we are reading the Bible and we're reading scripture, the best way that we can receive what God is saying is to basically put that on the shelf. On the side, and I thought that was a good, um, a very good statement. And something that we need to make sure we are practicing when we're studying the Bible. Even, even, like maybe, because I know it's happened to me. Like uh, I read a scripture, and maybe it, I uh, somebody taught it to me, or I learned a, 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 a preaching, and I'm reading the scripture but I'm reading the scripture with that teaching in mind rather than just letting it speak to me. And I realize when I let it speak to me, I get more from it than what I learned the first time around. Does that make sense? Yes. Yeah. And I thought that was a really important statement. And that's, I guess, what I picked from.
0: Amen. Um, For me, when we are talking about deception, We are always talking about false teachers, false teachers, correct. But you yourself can be a self perpetrator of your own deception because of how you read it. Amen. So for me, I think that's very powerful. So God should really have mercy on us in as much as we have to beware of false teachings, beware of your reading into scripture or your reading of scripture, how do you read it? How you read it is very important. It will shape how you understand the scripture and it will inform your application or misapplication. close Klu- Klan Klu- is one. Like I said, everything that they do has a scripture but if we are wrong so perhaps when they are reading they're like i want to read the bible to find out what the bible has to say to justify my points in not liking a black man not liking other races not like interest and they'll get all the scriptures but it doesn't mean they are reading it right so put what you have on the shelf and then approach the bible with an open mind so I'm, I'm always shocked when I read the Bible. I'm like, oh my God. Why did I interpret it like this the first time? I don't know how that has happened to you, but it's happened to me many times. I'm, I'm constantly and always editing my messages. Constantly, always editing my messages. man, I preach it like this, but there's no one. You're like always constantly editing. Because you have to read the Bible with an open mind. Oh my God. I thought it meant this. I thought that could be wrong. And be faithful to the integrity of scriptures like Jesus. He expounded the scriptures. That means he stuck close. Stick close to the scriptures and let scriptures explain scriptures. And sometimes for that to happen, you have to look at context, pretext, and sometimes pretext, if it may be. Sometimes when you are reading the Bible, just context is enough. You just read the context. That's it. You are done. But sometimes, if you want to understand, you might have to read pretext. Sometimes you might have to read pro text. So, before we end, what is context? What is pretext? What is pro text? Who can help us out? Mm-hmm. We have one minute on the clock, so can someone be snappy with an answer? Yeah. Yeah,
1: so I, I, I think I can. So, I mean, using the, the scripture that we, we used in Jeremiah 29.
0: Pastor, you can not talk.
1: Okay, so using the scripture we used in Jeremiah, uh, Jeremiah 29, he said um, the pretext is everything that um, from, let's say, from chapter 1 to chapter 28. Those are the pretext. And the context is the chapter 29 that we quoted, we're using for the example. The protest is
0: after um, chapter 29.
1: Everything
0: that comes after that is the protest. Amen. All right. It's 8 o'clock. Let's pray that our reading of Scripture will be accurate and we'll always rely on the Holy Spirit. Just pray in the next one minute. Father, thank you. We come before you, O Lord. In this year of knowing Christ, Lord, we want to know you through the scriptures. But help us, Lord, that we will read the scriptures accurately, Lord. We will read it aright, O Lord. We pray that due to how we read it, may we understand it correctly. And how we understand it, may we be able to apply it. That indeed, we will be the hard-working farmer that will become the first particle of its crops and Father, as we read the word of God and as the word of God transforms and changes our lives, Lord, out of that conviction, may we also share it with other people that will experience the same conviction in the name of Jesus. Thank you, Lord. We give you praise. We just love you. We thank you for the liberating power of your word. Help us to receive your word with meekness, the implanted word of, faith, of, of your word, Lord, of faith, Lord. We give you praise. We thank you that as we put the word of God to memory and put it into our hearts, it will yield forth many dividends. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 All right, God bless you guys. Good night. Enjoy the rest of your week. Saturday we are praying, seven to eight. Amen. See you Saturday morning. God bless you. Good night. Good night. God
2: bless you.